You are listening to the Healing Migraines Naturally podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Caesar, and I'm helping women rediscover a migraine-free life. Today, I'm talking to Mary, who runs our awesome Facebook community, about weather-related migraines. How are you, Mary? I'm doing good. Much, much better. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you and I both got COVID. Yeah, it kind of got my whole family here, but all of us are back up on the upswing, I guess you could say. <laughs> Good. Yeah, we are too. But for regular listeners of the podcast, you might have noticed that we haven't been dropping a new episode every week. That's because first I went down and then Mary went down. <laughs> yeah, and it, So we it, had to slow down the drops a little bit. Yeah, it took a few weeks to get us all back to normal. I I know, Leslie, you were saying that you you didn't even have a voice. So like, we couldn't have even talked if we tried. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, and I probably would have been a coughing mess for everyone. So here we are, we're back. Right. <laughs> We've missed you all. And we're sorry. <laughs> well, good. Today, we're going to talk about weather related migraines. What do you think? Pretty common uh, problem, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's very interesting in our group that we see so often, you know, talk about checking the barometer and, you know, storms. I often see people say things like, oh, we're getting bad weather here. Here comes the migraines. So yeah, people are pretty on edge when the migraine or when the weather is changing. And it's interesting because you can't control the weather. I mean, right? we try. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, we try to control a lot of things, right? Yeah. Whether yeah. appropriately or, or maybe not so appropriately. We try to control a lot of things, but the weather is just one of those things that you yeah. absolutely cannot control. Yeah, it's so true. But yeah, I've seen, you know, certainly I've had many, many clients over the years that notice a correlation between weather changes, severe weather, thunderstorms, barometric pressure drops, and their migraines. And then certainly in the Facebook group, as you said, this is a real common post. A lot of times people will even kind of share their location. You know, hey, I'm in Kansas City. Anybody else? You know, anybody else here in Kansas City as we get these thunderstorms, et cetera? That's a fairly common post. Well, and on top of that, I've actually seen posts about where should I move to to avoid the weather? Like where, oh, yeah. where's the best weather for migraine sufferers? And I'm like, boy, that is a lot. That's expensive. That's a lot of time, money, pressure. Like it's just a lot to try and move yeah. away from something you have no control over. hundred percent. And, you know, there's weather every place on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that. I have had a couple clients over the years where they actually did move and, you know, continue to get migraines because like I say, there's weather everywhere. Right. That's interesting. Did the frequency change at all or was is was it like a little better or a little worse? Or Well, it's interesting because usually what happens is people will go on a vacation and they'll say, hey, you know, I went to vacation in Phoenix and I didn't get any migraines while I was there. And so this starts people questioning, okay, is there something about the climate? Is there something about the altitude, you know, that is more compatible with my body? And is that why I didn't get migraines when we were on that trip? And again, like we've talked about in other podcasts, when we are in pain, physical pain or mental or emotional pain, our mind tries to figure out why. 
And so, right, if we go to Phoenix for two weeks and don't get a migraine, and we normally have a migraine every other day, the mind is going to latch onto that because the mind is always looking for why am I in this pain? If I could just figure it out, then I could avoid that one thing that's causing the pain. And so the mind will latch on to them. So do you think the ones that, you know, when you go on vacation, do you think it's more of a less stress situation than the actual weather and altitude or? Well, yeah. So we're going to talk about this. I have my, you know, theory on this. Yes. I'm like jumping way ahead of you. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, not at all. No. I mean, that's the question, right? Like, so why did that happen to me? Why did I have a two week reprieve? in a particular location. Sometimes it's the beach. You know, I have clients, whenever I'm at the beach, I feel better. I don't get migraines, right? So what, you know, what's going on there? (laughs) Me too. I'm a hundred percent better at the beach. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't we dive in here, huh? Why don't we talk through weather related migraines? Yeah, it really does like just crack open my brain of like so many questions. So bring it on. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) So many questions. Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about weather related migraines, I want to focus mostly on the third principle that is that we have to work on to restore and maintain our health. So for those of you that have been following the podcast or seen some of my free trainings, you will remember that there are three things that we have to do to restore and maintain our health. And I call these the three principles. So the first principle, just to recap, the first principle is getting the nutrients to every cell in the body. Second principle is clearing metabolic waste material. And the third principle is restoring our resiliency and vitality. So this weather migraine phenomenon, this is really centered within that third principle. It is related to our own resiliency and vitality. So let's dive in here a little bit deeper into this third principle. Tell me everything. Yeah. So. Our own resiliency and vitality keeps us in a state of health, keeps us in balance, in homeostasis. So there's an organizing energy, if I can use that word, there's an organizing energy to every living system, and we are no exception to that. So you can see this in things like a beehive. So you have a beehive, I don't know how many bees are in a beehive, 5,000. So you have 5,000 individual insects and somehow the honey gets made. There's an organizing energy to the beehive that keeps all of those individual actors in balance and homeostasis, keeps the hive in a state of health. So we are no exception to that, but we are way more complex than a beehive. We have 30 to 40 trillion cells. We have likely even more bacterial cells and viruses that live in us. (laughs) That's kind of staggering. And then we have our mental and emotional component as well. Okay. So we are unbelievably complex. So there's this organizing energy that keeps everything in homeostasis, keeps everything in balance. So that can be robust or it can be kind of flagging. It can be coming up a little bit short. One of your bees is out of alignment. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. One of the bees is off in the Way out there in the field. Probably maybe more than that. Maybe a hundred bees have gone rogue. Yeah, exactly. So when we are in a state of health, when we are in homeostasis, in balance, it's sort of like our needle is pointing north. Okay, so I want you to think of like you've got a little needle, a little compass. And when you are in a state of health, that needle is pointing north. It's in the green zone. You feel good. Your body is not generating symptoms. 
So that needle is continuously getting pushed down towards west by stressors. Okay, physical stressors, mental stressors, emotional stressors, these are part of life, you cannot avoid them. And so those stressors are continuously kind of knocking our needle out of balance towards west, knocking it down. It's our own resiliency and vitality that counters that and pushes our needle back up to north. So those of us that are prone to migraines, uh, this includes you, Mary, you're a little bit prone to migraines too. (laughs) So it's sort of like all of us that are prone to migraines, we've got a little red zone northwest on the compass that says migraine zone. And when our needle goes into that migraine zone, we're going to experience those migraine symptoms that we are predisposed to. And we migraine sufferers, those of us that are prone to migraines, we can kind of feel this, right? Because this is when the needle first enters the red zone, I call that the Uh uh-oh moment, right? Uh 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 (laughs) Uh-oh, can I see properly? Is there, is my, are my glasses smudged? Uh Uh-oh, what's going on? That's like that first little indication we're just on the border of that little red zone. And then we could be, if our needle goes all the way down into our migraine zone, this is when we're, you know, vomiting, (laughs) right? You know, pacing, whatever it may be. Ice caps. (laughs) Exactly, right. So we migraine sufferers, those of us that are prone to migraines, we can kind of feel where our needle is. It's a very unique symptom that we are predisposed to. So the real healing takes place when we restore our resiliency and vitality. Okay, so if we just work on the first principle and the second principle, we actually don't feel better. We have to get our needle back to north. So you have to work on all three of these principles at the same time. You have to, the cells have to have what they need to function properly and our cells can't be swimming in waste material, but we also have to have the resiliency and vitality to push our needle back to north. And I told you, I actually did that about a week or within last week where I was getting stress from every direction. And I did, I went into that uh uh-oh moment and I was like, thinking of Leslie, of course, <laughs> like, uh-oh, here's the uh-oh. And I I was trying to work and, you know, behind on everything. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I can't see. And I knew it's one of those moments where you're just like, if I don't do something super fast, I'm going to be in full-blown, you know, misery and pain for a while, you know? So no fun. I couldn't even see my computer. It was all like geometric shapes at that point. <laughs> Ugh, the worst. Yeah. So, right. Your first thing, when your needle tips into that red migraine zone, your first symptom is that aura, right? That's your, or right? The beginnings of that aura. And if your needle keeps going down, right, then you're going to have the real bad one. The, yeah. In bed, can't move, have to lay there until it passes migraine. <laughs> Super fun. And then, right, again, when it passes, there can be like a hangover effect as that needle starts to go towards north, right? We're not as bad. The needle's kind of moving back towards north. We go through a hangover zone. And then once we get out of it, we're good. We're good to go. That's It's another really interesting feature of migraines, right? When we feel good, we feel good. Yeah, that's true. And then that makes you kind of crazy trying to figure out when that's going to happen and why and all that, which, you know, like. We've talked about many, many times, we just don't always have control over, you know, you can't avoid all the foods and all the weather and all of the other, you know, it's just hard. You can't. And you can't avoid those stressors, right? You said everything was coming at you, right? So things were coming at you on the mental and emotional side, causing mental and emotional stress. You can't avoid that either, right? We try to bubble wrap ourselves. We try to, you know, 
please nobody get me upset here, right? But it's inevitable. That's part of life. So with the barometric pressure changes, with the weather changes, so the barometric pressure changing, the wind blowing, a lot of people will get a migraine if they are out in the wind too long. So these different weather phenomenon, those are physical stressors, right? The barometric pressure changing, that's a physical stressor in the environment. So there are a lot of, I mean, we are continuously being bombarded by sensory impressions. Those are physical stressors on our body, right? We have, you know, the light hitting our retina. That's a physical stressor. Uh, you breathe in, you know, a perfume molecule. That's a physical stressor. You know, you sit too long at a desk and you hold yourself in kind of a funny position. That puts a physical stress on the body, right? So all we are... We are continuously experiencing these little physical stressors. Right. And sometimes we don't really think about the tiny stressors. Like you're, nobody thinks about the light hitting your retina. I, when I think of stress, I think of my two laptops breaking and making it hard to work. <laughs> like it's big stuff that we usually, you know, are facing. But the tiny things like wind or allergens or the sun being too bright or too dark or like overcast or like it, the list can go on and on when it's a small stressor. Exactly. So then we have different sensitivities to these stressors. So some people are particularly sensitive to different types of stressors. And so like noise is one. So like for me, if I have a lot of stressors hitting me, maybe some things, you know, on the mental and emotional side, and then if I have all these little noises, you know, like maybe my daughter is, you know, kind of making a lot of noise as a child does, right? So she's not really doing anything unusual, but to me, I'm getting irritated, right? Oh, this noise, right? Oh, geez, please, just, right? So, please be quiet. So we can even feel, right? We can become, so some people will be particularly sensitive to particular stressors, or it's like, oh yeah, once a bunch of straws kind of get on that camel's back, then I get even more sensitive to some of these small things that normally I wouldn't be that sensitive to. So with the weather, there are some people, so everybody, like when that barometric pressure change comes through, when the wind comes through, everyone is exposed to that physical stressor. Some people are going to be more sensitive to that particular stressor. It's going to have more of an effect on their needle. Just thinking about how some people feel it in their joints. Like, I feel a storm coming in. Yes, exactly. Right? <laughs> in our joints. You know, then there's migraine sufferers that just feel the uh-oh moment coming on, you know. Exactly, right? So some people are predisposed to joint pain. Right. And so and then if they are also particularly sensitive to the physical stressor of that barometric pressure change, well, now that my needle moved into my joint pain zone and now my knees hurt. Right. Absolutely. It's a great example. Right. Because a lot of times those of us that are prone to migraines, we feel like we're the only person sensitive. Why am I like this? Why does my body hate me? How come everybody else can dance in the rain but me? Right. But it, it other people are everybody is exposed to these stressors. Some people are going to be sensitive to these stressors too. They are just predisposed to different symptoms, right? Some people have a lot of anxiety when storms come through, right? Because they're prone to anxiety. When their needle gets in the, in the anxiety zone, they're going to feel anxious. And so you have people, right, with that barometric pressure change that pushes their needle down because it's a physical stressor. And if it pushes them into their anxiety zone, they're going to have anxiety during that storm. That's such an interesting point because I 
definitely notice when the weather is weird outside. It's almost like your mood matches the weather. You know what I mean? For some people, yeah. Some people, they love storms, right? And they love to see, right? You got storm trackers, right? They don't get depressed when the clouds roll in. (laughs) They're like excited, right? Oh, let's hop in the car, right? So yes. So if someone is predisposed towards, you know, anxiety, right? Uh, Low mood, uh, whatever it may be, if that physical stressor pushes their needle down into that zone, they're going to experience that symptom. So we migraine sufferers, you know, like I say, sometimes we kind of get a little self-pitying, you know, nobody else struggles like I do, but people do, right? We just happen to be predisposed to this, you know, really obvious symptom of migraine, but people are predisposed to more subtle symptoms too. Yeah. Extremely painful too. Exactly. Like like I, I mean, I'm, I'm not immune to anxiety by any means. And like when I get that, I can still function. But when you get into a knockout migraine, you know, it's hard. It's just, it's really hard to face the day when you know you can't even get out of bed. So I feel for people when they are down like that, for sure. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. So the answer to this is to restore, improve, increase our resiliency and vitality. So we want to restore our resiliency and vitality. That's really the answer to this. Okay. Then we can weather the physical stress. <laughs> Sorry, I had to giggle. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> then we can weather the we physical weather. stress of the weather. Right? Not? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, and this applies to other uh, stressors like altitude. Okay. Some people are very sensitive to the physical stressor of changing altitude. It just makes my head swim though, because it's like, okay, we're going on vacation and we change location and we're not in the same situation as usual. So we don't get migraines. Is it, like I said, the lack of stress or like, I don't know. I'm trying to wrap my brain around why, why the body is so much like a light switch in that situation. (laughs) Well, yeah. So, and this is the thing, right? Like you said, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. This is what our mind always is trying to do, right? Like what, what is the deal? So my theory on this is that when we take a trip, there can be a couple different things going on here. So one, we may be less stressed. And so if we don't have additional stressors pushing the needle down, it doesn't tax our resiliency and vitality so much. And so then the weather comes through in Phoenix and you say, oh, whoa, I didn't get a migraine here with this weather. But really, we were sort of less stressed. We were on vacation. You know, we didn't have the day to day cares. And so we didn't have so many straws on the camel's back, so to speak. Our resiliency and vitality hadn't already been at work trying to counter these mental and emotional stressors, let's say. So that could be one aspect. Now, there's another very interesting aspect to migraines. We sort of can have a like a false resiliency and vitality. So for most of us who are prone to migraines, if we have something that has to get done, we'll get it done and then we'll crash. (laughs) We'll meet the deadline up for work on Friday and then we're down for the count Saturday and Sunday over the weekend. Seriously, no one is more determined and more like more strong. That didn't come out right, but... (laughs) than a migraine warrior like 
we know they just push through and do the best they can for sure. Mm -hmm. So we can kind of rally like a false resiliency and vitality. So when we can make it through to Friday, we are actually keeping our needle up out of migraine zone. Okay, that's why we're not getting the migraine. So it's sort of like we are willpowering that needle up out of the zone. But then as soon as we don't have to exert that willpower anymore, poof, that false resiliency and vitality is not there. And then our needle goes down and then we crash. And so this is commonly called like a letdown migraine or a letdown effect. I can totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. So this could be at play during a vacation too, right? It's like, you know, I'm with the family. I'm with the kids. We paid a lot of money for this. There's no way I'm going to miss out on this, right? It's like, I'm just going to... If I don't see Mickey Mouse, that's where I'm Correct. (laughs) Exactly. Right. I'm going on Space Mountain, whether it kills me, right? So, and so we can have kind of like this false resiliency and vitality that we can muster up. Can't muster it up forever, but a lot of times we can muster this up and we can get through the crisis. We can get through the, you know, like uh, how many clients, you know, the day after the graduation and the graduation party, boom, (laughs) right? I know I'm going to be out on a migraine, right? Because it's like, we can muster through the graduation ceremony and the party and this and that, and then we're going to be down for the camp. So that could be a reason why, right? People go on a trip and they don't get a migraine either because they kind of have like a false resiliency and vitality. Now, again, our mind, right? This does not satisfy the mind. The mind is not going there, right? The mind goes, well, how come when I was so stressed out to get all that done on Friday, I never got a migraine? And then I got a migraine when everything was, you know, cool. And when this is what the mind says, how it can't be stress related because I got the migraine after the stress. So those are potential things, what's going on there when we go on a trip and, don't experience a migraine, right? It can be a false vitality. The other thing is also that some people in certain environments, it will, they sort of naturally have an affinity towards that. And this is documented in the homeopathic literature, for example. Some people, part of what you might call their constitution, they might just feel better at the ocean, right? It's just part of their constitution. And so that could be a factor too. You you just sort of constitutionally feel a little bit better at this altitude, or you feel a little bit better at the beach or in certain environments. And so that could, that could be a factor too. But you, you know, you've said multiple times, like with food, you should, if your body is healthy and in alignment, you should be able to manage eating at a restaurant. It's kind of the same concept. If you're in a healthy state of of your body, you should be able to manage different altitudes and different barometric pressures. Is that correct? You will be able to So what we want to have, right, we want to have enough resiliency and vitality to meet the challenges of life, the stressors of life. And so if we are getting, you know, kind of knocked down all the time, that's an indication that we we're lacking in resiliency and vitality, and that can be improved. We can sort of replenish that, you know, we can kind of fill that bucket up, that resiliency and vitality bucket up. But I see this. In fact, I just got a message from a client over the weekend. Um, We were going to meet uh, yesterday and she needed to reschedule. And she said, you know what, I'm doing well. We actually had some storms come through and I'm actually feeling fine, right? This is somebody who used to every time there was a weather incident, right? She's getting a migraine. So in the course of our work, she has increased her resiliency and vitality, right? She can withstand the 
physical stress of all of the barometric pressure changes, et cetera, et cetera, that goes into the weather. The other thing is, you know, with this particular client, she was very susceptible to going into stores, you know, and the fluorescent lighting. Okay. So again, that light hitting the retina, you know, fluorescent lighting, it's a different type of stressor. It's a different type of light hitting our retina compared to sunlight, right? So some people are very sensitive to that type of light. It pushes their needle down. They have to have resiliency and vitality to counter that. And so in this case, she was very sensitive to that type of thing too. You know, she couldn't go to two stores. She could only go to one store and then she'd have to come back, right? And so that is improving too. A few weeks ago, she was, oh, I was able to go to a couple different stores. Fantastic. So that's an indication that her resiliency and vitality has improved because she can weather those stressors better. So, you know, we kind of, we get into, so what our mind does, let's go back to where our mind goes, because I think this is really important. So our mind goes, okay, I was in the fluorescent lighting and I didn't feel well. Okay, I'm going to, wherever I can turn fluorescent lights off, I'm going to turn them off. And then wherever I don't have control over the fluorescent lighting, I'm going to wear sunglasses right? The mind goes into this mode. It's a problem solving mode. How do I eliminate the thing that made me feel bad? That's exactly what the mind is going to do. How can I avoid the thing that made me feel bad so I don't feel bad? Again? I mean, it makes sense. Like, you you know, we've talked about before, it's how our brains are built to survive. Correct. But is it actually functioning for us? <laughs> can you really avoid like all fluorescent lights, all perfume, all whatever? you know, fill in the blank. Yeah, you can't avoid it if you want to interact with your family, right? If you want to interact with your friends, if you want to go to work, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. Which you know? most of us need. <laughs> exactly. Right. So this is the mindset that we get into, right? Like, how do I avoid the light? What sunglasses do I need? You know, what blue light blockers do I need for my screen, you know, for my computer screen, right? It's like, we're trying to avoid the stressor. That's what the mind directs us to do. But like I say, you can't bubble wrap yourself. This is what it leads to, right? Our world starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Well, I can't go in that store because of the lighting. I can't go anywhere where somebody might have perfume. You know, I can't go down the detergent aisle in the grocery store. I can't go to more than two stores at once. You know, it's like our world just gets smaller and smaller and smaller because our mind is directing us to avoid all of these stressors. I think that's one of the saddest parts of being a migraine sufferer. Like I've told you before, I only get them maybe a few times a year, but I can completely understand and imagine if you get them daily or weekly, how sad it is that your world gets smaller and smaller. Yeah, you know? it really does. Some of our Facebook group people don't even leave beds, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that's just no way to live. I've had, you know, clients over the years, they can't go out and do too much at all. And it's very isolating. People feel very ashamed, very guilty because, you know, they can't interact with their husband, with their children, with their friends. Friendships are gone. Uh, it's, it's no way to live. But if we follow what the mind is telling us to do, unfortunately, this is where it leads. Because if something, right, this, this whole problem kicks off because something is draining our resiliency and vitality. So the mind is not looking at, okay, what's draining my resiliency and vitality? How do I patch that hole up? And how do I fill this bucket up again so that I can go out in the sun and the wind and the rain and the altitude and the whole bit, right? Our mind is avoid, avoid, avoid. 
So we're not actually doing what we need to do, which is restore our resiliency and vitality, identify what's draining our resiliency and vitality so that we can weather these stressors. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I love a good pun. Um, (laughs) But here's the thing, like the words resiliency and vitality, like I've heard that probably hundreds of times through our podcasts right now. I can honestly tell you, I don't think I've ever heard anyone in my life say those words before or tell me how to, how do you do that? Like what, what is this magic formula? And I know it's probably very involved, like, well, maybe not involved, but like a process. It takes time, but I can honestly say I've never once heard anyone talk to me about how I needed to restore that. Not once, you know? So it's not something that you naturally are going to be like, oh, I best, I better be working on my resiliency today. Like, it's just not a common Yes, thought. yes. So this is, uh, you know, frankly, this is, this is one of the things that make what I do so unique because you are correct. Nobody is addressing this, particularly when it comes to our health or the symptoms that we experience. And this is a big missing. This is why people struggle with getting better. So I will answer your, I will try to answer your question as best as I can. So first of all, we can have habits that are either resiliency promoting or resiliency draining. So I'll I'll give a real obvious habit. So our sleep habits, it's very easy with like our phones. I will do this. You're going to go to sleep. Oh, let me just, let me just check, check Facebook real quick. Oh, let me, you know, check out that uh, blog that I follow. Let me see if there's any new posts. Oh, let me see, you know, if any of my friends texted me anything funny, you know, right? It's like we check our phones and then, you know, 45 minutes later, oh my goodness, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> <laughs> I like they're doing real good if they're only 45 minutes later. Right? <laughs> so now we've kind of missed the natural rhythm of when our, you know, when our melatonin, when our cortisol, when our hormones are sort of preparing us to sleep, we've missed that window. So then our body says, oh, I guess she's going to stay up. Well, I better keep the cortisol pumping. I better lower the melatonin. Okay. Now we're keyed up. So now it's like, well, now I can't go to sleep. Well, maybe I'll watch TV, right? And then it kind of snowballs. And then before you know it. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm over here going, I feel like you see me. Right? Do I have a camera? <laughs> are you right? This is like literally word for word, my, my routine every night. Like I, I get to a point where I'm so tired that I go crash into bed. And then in order to get my brain to slow down, I'm like, Oh, I'll just read a little. And then that tiredness passes. And then I'm like, ping, like ready to let's go paint a wall because I've got all the energy in the world. Right. Yeah. Let's hit the (laughs) clean out the closets. Let's get the basement organized. Right. (laughs) Right. So then before we know it, right, it's like midnight. (laughs) We're finally falling asleep. Well, we got to get up at 530 in the morning to go to work. So, you know, obviously, if we don't get enough sleep, right, this is going to be a big vitality drain on us. Okay, we have to have adequate sleep for cellular repair. I mean, I could go on and on. So if we have sleep habits that are not health supporting, that are actually resiliency and vitality draining, that's like a little hole in the bottom of our vitality bucket. 
And so then our vitality is going to start to get drained. So we have habits, right? We can have certain habits. I call these physical habits. So like our eating habits or our sleep habits would be like physical habits. Then we can have mental and emotional habits. Hmm. Nobody really thinks about mental and emotional habits, right? But we get in the habit of thinking a certain way. We get in the habit of feeling a certain way or responding emotionally in certain situations in a certain way. So those mental and emotional habits can be like a hole in the bottom of that bucket and drain our vitality as well. And you can probably, right? People might, you might think, oh yeah, uh uh-huh. I can feel drained after certain mental and emotional experiences or grooves that I get into, right? You know, nobody growing up for me, like nobody taught me that you can choose to change your thoughts. Like that's something that I have had to work on and think through and figure out in my 40s. And I mean, my 29s, but like, yeah, like nobody has, nobody teaches you that, that you're like in control and you get to choose whether you want to talk to yourself in a certain way or whether or not you want to believe the thoughts that come into your head. Cause not everything you think is mm-hmm, true. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Or we get in the habit. Again, those of us that are prone to migraines, we are really great at this. I'm just going to power through. We, like we get in the habit almost. I'm just going to power through. Right? We can get in the habit of not listening to the feedback that our body is sending us. So we have these habits, and I I consider those habits more on the mental and emotional side, right? Those can be vitality draining. Now, if it were so easy, as you know from your your own personal work on this, if only it were so easy that somebody tell us, well, just stop talking to yourself like that, right? (laughs) Think how these Yeah, no, it, it takes a lot of work, right? It takes a lot of work to work through what is what is kind of driving me on the unconscious level to push through, right? What is driving that, right? And so that's going to be a unique reason depending on the person, right? There's some common, you know, there's common themes amongst us that are prone to that, but the real root of that is going to be unique depending on the person. And so to patch like that little hole up, we've got to get to that unique, what is that little unique reason that's motivating this person to ignore all the feedback that their wonderful body is trying to tell them to push through to hit that Friday deadline, right? That little reason in the unconscious, that's going to be very unique to each person. And for a lot of people, until they get that, and I, like I say, this is what makes my work unique because I help guide people. Okay. What is in there that's motivating me to engage in this vitality draining habit or behavior? I know like, for example, some people learn as a child that their worth comes through being of service to others or that their worth and validation comes from achievement. So, you know, there's a constant drive to, you know, be successful and you can't be successful if you're not meeting deadlines. It's just like an internal pressure, right? Exactly. So, you know, we, we want to be able to accomplish things in our life, but if there's, there's sort of a middle ground with that, right? There's the, you know, the person who lacks any sort of drive, can't meet any commitment, right? That's sort of like out of balance on one side, but then we can go out of balance on the other side where, you know, we ignore uh, clear feedback. You know, we, we burn ourselves out. We sacrifice things to hit that deadline, right? We want to be in the middle, right? We want to take that middle path. And what is it? I mean, I don't know what happened 
historically with women here, but like there's just something in women that we don't allow ourselves to stop and take care of ourselves until we break. You know, it's like until you get to the point where your needle is going off the charts in in west zone it's like we're not allowed to take care of ourselves until everyone and everything around us is taken care yeah. of well and i think i'm glad you bring this up this is something that i uh, do like to talk about and have had this conversation with many clients over the years so we women so we are wired the human animal the female human animal takes care of the babies. And so if somebody doesn't respond to the baby when the baby's crying and take care of the baby's needs, the baby dies. So evolutionarily, right, if the human female did not have the ability to, you know what, it's three in the morning, I'd much rather sleep right now, but the baby's crying. So, right, we women have that ability. You know, I'm, I'm sure we've noticed with our husbands, they're not, you know, uh, a lot of times we kind of blame our husbands, you know, why, why won't he get up at three in the morning? They are not wired to get up at three in the morning and take care of the baby. Women are wired yeah. to do I that. Lucked, I lucked out with my husband that he would let me sleep in in the morning. I, I feel like <laughs> I'm like, I got up with the babies all night, but he was wonderful about letting me sleep and taking care of the babies in the morning. Yes. So yes. And that's great. But there's something right. Like, even, you know, when my daughter was a baby, even if my husband did get up in the middle of the night, I couldn't sleep. There's no way I could fall back asleep. There's no way. Right. Because that, right. My daughter cried. Forget it. Forget it. It was not under my control at all. It's funny because I'm over here going, it's probably because they're doing it wrong or something. No. Well, but again, right. It's like, this is, you know, you have, you can see this other animals, right? You know, in this day and age, a lot of people get very upset if you, you know, kind of make a statement like this about the human animal, but you can see the division of labor as far as child rearing and other animals. And so we are, you know, we have inherited that. And so there's something, I think, evolutionarily that we women have the ability, it's, it's, easier for us. It comes more easily to us to sacrifice ourselves because somebody, right, to keep the baby alive, you're going to have to sacrifice. There's no way, right? And that goes back, you know, chimps have to do this. Gorillas have to do this. Monkeys have to do this, right? This is not just unique to humans. Somebody has to sacrifice to make sure that that child survives. And so we are a little bit predisposed to this. And this is one reason why women have different health concerns, different health, you know, they're, they t- tend to get different health problems than men do, because we can get a little bit out of balance on that, right? We, if it's easier for us to, to sacrifice, again, we want to keep that kind of in balance. We don't want to go too far on that self-sacrificing. And it's easier for us to do that than for men. Yeah, you caught me on this like tangent in my head where I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Where it is interesting. Yes, we're both human, but the health problems that we deal with are so different. Like just for example, when a woman gains weight versus a man gaining weight, my my dear sweet husband is all belly (laughs) and I'm like all butts and thighs, you know, it's like, it's interesting that our bodies genuinely are different and not saying you know, we're not trying to make a negative statement about that, but it's just, it's true. There is a difference biologically that we can't change. Correct. So, you know, the healing process, right, includes, okay, 
what is draining my vitality? And it could be some habits that we are engaged in, but there are these things on the mental and emotional side that uh, for most of my clients, there's something on the mental and emotional side that's draining their vitality. And if we don't address that, we're not going to feel better. And this is why, so go ahead. I was just going to ask you like, so even if you get all of the nutrients to the body and all of the waste out of your, like you can do your liver detox and your nutritional supplements and all of the things that everyone out in the supplement world or in the nutritional world wants you to do. It's not going to be complete unless you take that third step. It's not going to fix the problem. It's, you can't detox your liver into being better. Like that's just one example of things that people try. You yeah. Know? So this is really prominent. We we did a podcast on functional medicine. So uh, functional medicine. There's some similarities within functional medicine within what I call the first principle and the second principle. They're not identical. I don't do functional medicine, but there's some similarities there. So and, and in functional medicine, like I talked about in that podcast, uh, the approach is to run typically thousands of dollars worth of lab work and then go in and try to correct the lab work with a natural substance. So kind of manipulate the biochemistry with a natural substance. That's kind of the the core of a functional medicine approach. And so that's within those first and second principles because that we're in that functional medicine approach, they're kind of like pumping nutrients into the body to tr- change the biochemistry. And they may or may not be doing things to support clear, clearing metabolic waste material. So what I have seen many times over the years is that when people do that approach, okay, so they run all of this testing, the testing comes back, oh, you have this, you know, bad bacteria in your digestive tract, and you have these neurotransmitters that are, you know, high or low, and you have these nutrients that are high or low, all, all these different things come back on the labs. And so then they take all of these natural substances, you know, natural supplements to try to manipulate that. So then they'll rerun the test in say six months. Okay, let's rerun the test. Let's spend another couple thousand dollars. And then let's see where your levels are. So many times the levels will now be normal because you've manipulated the biochemistry with all these natural supplements. The levels would be normal and people will not feel better. So there's something, there's missing. something missing, right? <laughs> you have to, this organizing energy has to be in balance and homeostasis, right? That organizing energy has to be keeping all the bees in the hive and not, you know, one out in left field. Now, again, we have to have the, our cells have to have the nutrients that they need to function in order for the cells to function properly. And the cells can't be swimming in metabolic waste material. We have to have physical things in place as well, but we have to have our resiliency and vitality in alignment too, in place as well. You have to have all three pieces in place. Right. And then just back to the whole weather thing, if you are in the homeostasis, homeostasis, why is it so hard to say? (laughs) (laughs) Place of homeostasis, the weather shouldn't knock you off your game. Correct. As easily. Because we, right, when the weather comes through, our resiliency and vitality counters the weather. Just like my client that messaged me over the weekend, right? It's, you know, I didn't do anything to change weather. (laughs) Like the weather was going to happen. The butterfly flapped its wings in Mexico six weeks ago. And now, you know, the weather came through her area. She and I, we have absolutely no control over that. There's no, you know, miracle herb from the Amazon that no one else knows about that prevents us from being susceptible to the weather. 
right? I mean, it just doesn't exist, right? It's our own resiliency and vitality. And this with this client, her resiliency and vitality has improved and she can feel it, right? Because she can feel it in other areas of her life because she can go to a couple stores now and she can, you know, take a trip in the car. And, you know, there's other things that are going on in her life too that are clear indicators that she has more resiliency and vitality. So, right, the car drive didn't change. The stores still have their lighting, right? It's not like Trader Joe's went in and changed out all of their lighting and now it doesn't bother her anymore, right? It's the same environment and yet she feels better. I think it's interesting that probably nobody would think of that as like a test for how you're functioning, but it seems like a drive to the store to Trader Joe's and the fluorescent lights are a better test of how her body is doing than the functional medicine tests that you were right exactly about. it's hundred percent right is right it, you you nailed it you nailed it right yeah very interesting so yeah you know you do like let's say uh, like in this case somebody like this they went to a functional medicine practitioner oh let's do a neurotransmitter test so again. Can you go in a grocery store? We don't need to spend $700 on a neurotransmitter test. Can you go in a grocery store and tolerate the lighting? That's the question. And I know you said you can tell how somebody is getting their nutrients because all you have to do is talk to them about their digestive issues. And you're like, yep, you got problems there. (laughs) Like you don't need (laughs) thousands of dollars of testing to figure some of this out, right? (laughs) If you have gas and bloating and you don't have a bowel movement, but two times a week, I don't need a stool test. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a problem with the digestive function. It's pretty obvious, right? (laughs) Don't need to make any more noise in that. Right. (laughs) Well, very good. What do you think, Mary? Do you think we covered it? I do. I think it was very interesting. And just as a side note, I wanted to give a shout out to our listeners that have given us some awesome feedback. And we just wanted to say we love you and we appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. It's been fun to hear some of the things that people are sharing back. I think. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we really do appreciate your kind words. I know a lot of you have really enjoyed the podcast. We're kind of coming up on six months now of since we launched. So I can't believe it's six months already. It seems like just a month ago we started this, but it's been really fun and we've gotten some great feedback. So it's been really gratifying to both of us. It definitely helps me when people give us little feedback because I'll be honest, never once in my life did I think I would say, I'm a podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) This is so in left field for me. So it's just fun to hear that people are enjoying it. Yeah, right. You do something and you put it out there and on the internet and you never know if anybody's even going to hear it, right? Right. Yeah, it's been really just a wild, wild ride, as they say. Well, very good. Well, thanks again, Mary. We'll talk to you soon. You're welcome. We'll see you next time. And thank you for listening. Before you go, be sure to like this episode and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and other popular podcast platforms. Do you have someone in your life who would benefit from what we talked about today? Please share it with them. Share on your social media. Share within other 
migraine Facebook groups that you are in. We really want to get the word out that you can recover your health and stop getting chronic migraines. And if you want to stay connected, join my free migraine Facebook group with over 11,000 women who are rediscovering a migraine-free life. Go to Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar, ND, on Facebook or to HealingMigrainesNaturally.com and we'll redirect you to the Facebook group.